0: Let's make planning this year's garden a lot easier with the planter app. This app is packed full of features. It has companion and combative planting, which are indicated by green and red circles. It has a simple drag and drop interface. It has 80 plus plants and thousands of varieties. All the info is needed to grow veggies, including when to start seeds, transplant and harvest. The ability to create custom plants and varieties a growing guide with in-depth articles to supplement the quick info in the app, not to mention that you can view it and use it both on your PC and on your mobile device, so you can always be planning your garden on the go. This app is used in my garden year-round to plan the upcoming seasons, reference the last year's seasons so I know when to rotate, and it also helps me to learn more about companion planning using the visual cues. When you create your garden, it's gonna be based on the dimensions and each block is gonna be a square foot. I've had a lot of fun using this app. And the planter app, which is spelled P-L-A-N-T-E-R, is available in your app store on both Google and Apple. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and plan your garden. And use the link below to get a discount on the planter app. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind
1: of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm.
0: How good they will taste. So I was just out tinkering with something Batavia and I had the worst possible thing happen to me. I had fish fertilizer explode all over me. It was gross. So, um, which is going to lead us in today's discussion, which is all about how a garden evolves or evolving gardens. So, should be pretty interesting. And I'll, I will remember the fish fertilizer going into my mouth as I speak about this. It was awful. Oh,
1: I was actually going to raise you, but I'll share anyway. It doesn't beat you though. Um, so, some of you all may have picked up on. I'm. Um, I've extended my growing area for seedlings to an upstairs room um, and it is an upstairs bedroom and I had (laughs) a bit of fish and seaweed fertilizer that I mixed up yesterday and I didn't use it all. So I just had it laying in the pan. So, you know, I went on about my day and this morning when I got up from the couch that I fell asleep on and came upstairs to get my day started, I was like, what is that? Oh no. <laughs> so now that yeah. smell is all throughout the, uh, the top floor.
0: It's, a, it's brutal. a small
1: house. So it's, yeah. yeah, there's no hiding from it.
0: Yeah. It's brutal. But, um, you know, the way, it, and that's a perfect example too, how, you know, gardens are evolving. So, Um, The way this is going down is, you know, you start off one way as a gardener, but then as you develop and further your expectations more and more in your experience, your garden's going to evolve. And I guess the big question behind all this is, should we embrace it or fight it? You know, I think that's something we should think about while we talk about it. Because it has its pros and cons.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're for sure saying that, I'm saying for sure that you don't find a way and then never change. That's not, I don't think that that's productive, you know? So there has to be rooms for some change, right?
0: Yeah. 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 I know people that are, that do start one way and never change and that's okay. (laughs) You know, if you've, you've made your garden and you're like, Hey, this is what I like and that's it. You know, you be you live your best life. But I th- nope, you're doing it wrong. Nope. No, that's it. <laughs> just end the story. There you go. You heard it from Batavia. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week. But um, you know, when I started my garden, I guess we should go into the history of our gardens a little bit on this one. So, um, my first garden looked like one raised bed. It was a perfect square, and like two five-gallon buckets, and just like a regular pot. Mm -hmm. you know and so other than expanding and diversity and stuff like that things started to change in the future so uh how about you how did your first garden look
1: um it was a kind of dirt patch 30 feet by four Mm -hmm. feet along the fence line in my backyard um period like there was no there was I don't even know if I had tomato cages. I must have later that season, but very low key when it came to uh, garden tools. I had a shovel. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I had a hoe. <laughs> you know, like um, that basically was it.
0: I had a hoe just because I felt like I needed a hoe. I didn't know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and I mean, and and if you go fast forward now, let's just do a huge time jump to today. I mean, how many garden beds do you have now? You know, how many tools do you have now? Mm-hmm, Stuff like mm-hmm. that. And the same here. And so, like this year, I'm evolving yet again into something a little bit different, which, you know, I was... Um, when the fish fertilizer blew up on me, I was testing out a new fertilizer injector I got, which injects the fertilizer into the water line. And um, <laughs> it was like, I read the directions and it said you need to have a backflow preventer installed and a pressure valve. And I said, oh, I don't need that shit. <laughs> Those are my exact words as I sat there. And it said that a water timer can be used as a backflow preventer. So I was like, all right. So I went to go check and it wasn't working right. And when I went to go unscrew it, I was like, oh, I'll just unscrew it a little bit and release the pressure. Well, no, it was like full blown, like immediate release. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the you know evolving process for me is, Different techniques and fertilizing and stuff like that. And so, this is something that I'm trying to play with this year. And obviously, I'm trying to inject the fish fertilizer directly to the roots. Pros and cons of it, I don't know yet. I can tell you one con <laughs> it gets nasty real quick.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. When, when you brought that piece up, when you described this injector, you uh, know, my first thought was fancy. Yeah. <laughs> and My second thought is like, gosh, I don't want to be this. I don't want to be the, the person that has, you know, this tool and that tool and this method and that method. And while I'm not, you know, injecting fertilizer, I am this person. Right. In and your so own right, in a becomes, different way. Yeah, exactly. Like, how, how did I become this person? Right. And right, wrong, or indifferent, it's hard to back, you know, um, back away from. You know, kind of the, the way that you garden. Like I was thinking to myself, like how could I f- continue to find satisfaction in the way I gardened in 2008, that first year?
0: And the way you I did garden?
1: In the way I did garden. So it, could I basically say like kind of back to the basics, go back to years 2000. I mean, the structures are the structures to one degree. But could you go back and just, you know, again, find um, happiness and in, in gardening in that same way? Like if you tried to peel back things, you know, uncomplicate things, minimize, as you like to say, the friction. Um,
0: Yeah. Well, so I mean, truth be told, the fertilizer injector is just because the garden has grown to the size it has. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, fertilizing regimen where it takes me, you know, a couple hours to, you know, do my liquid fertilizer or whatever. This is just an automatic type situation. You know, five minutes Mm -hmm. to set up and walk away in theory i haven't mastered it yet i'm sure somebody out there has and god bless you i'm working my way there but um you know i think that's part of part of it is the evolving process is you know getting that bigger garden to the size that you want and you feel comfortable you can handle and i think that's yeah. the big thing but it doesn't just go to that i mean you can talk about different plants that you plant you know what i mean mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and the, even the if you introduce the idea of for, for me in my area, how many years I garden with strictly annuals for vegetables, like no perennials in sight. I think um, mint was probably the first one I stumbled across and just didn't realize like a peppermint that it was um, supposed, I mean, it comes back, yeah. right? You know,
0: it doesn't go away and it will take over.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So like, I think one of the big steps is varieties. You know, once you start, you know, dipping in your your toes into different varieties and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I mean, what's a better example than a tomato? You know, yeah. I know we always talk about tomatoes, but they're dear and love. But I mean, how many different varieties of tomatoes are there to grow? Do you know?
1: Um, I believe hundreds, if not more. Like, I don't know if it's, it's the thousands.
0: I'm going to ask the doctor.
1: You're Googling it? Yeah. 10,000. Um, there you have it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's Wikipedia, so who knows? But I'm not going <laughs> to dig too deep. But yeah, ten thousand varieties of tomatoes. That's crazy. So on um, the backyard gardens community garden on Facebook page, which you should join if you'd like. I I posted a question, and it was a very I wasn't very clear about the question. Um, so my parents, they have always grown better boy tomatoes, always, mm-hmm. and. I posted the question and I was like, what's so great about Better Boy tomatoes? It's the only thing my parents will grow. And the question really is like <clears throat> they told me they're like, you can give us a tomato plant, but we're only <laughs> gonna grow better boys. And they've never grown anything else. And it's one of those things where like they're totally satisfied with that. You know, I think it's one of those things you can get at mm-hmm. the stores are very easy to come by stuff like that get the plants so i actually went out and bought myself some seeds because i was like i want to know what's so great about a better boy but they haven't taken that step necessarily to look into it and they don't care to you know at (laughs) this point in their lives like i'm kind of waiting i'm like all right here we go this is the year this is the year now they've done it with other things but when it comes to them tomatoes boy they don't even care and anytime you give them a red tomato, like yeah this is a good better boy i'm like man i ain't no better boy that's a homesteader <laughs> or something he's like no that's a better boy so you can't tell him nothing
1: the big round like i would have never called it this 15 years ago but the big round slicer you know it's 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 just the red tomato a big red tomato yeah right um i think sometimes beef steak gets lumped in with better boys when it comes to like when i used to go to the um you know to your home depots and your lows and buy a tomato plant like i was just looking for a big tomato yeah. that's what i wanted to grow a big red tomato right
0: and i i think you said that the key word too is like i would have never said this but slicer mm-hmm. like a lot of people that don't garden or are new to it they don't know the difference that there's a slicer potato potato tomato there's a plum tomato there's you know everybody knows there's a cherry tomato but like mm-hmm. what what's a slicer you know what I mean? Like it's just crazy. So once you start learning about that, then you can crack open. I mean, look, they got nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine more varieties to get through, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna try and trick them into growing one but yeah, look at this better boy tomato. This is good. See how this one grows.
1: But there's also a made up mind too, like a part of their enjoyment is based on their understanding that it's um you know, better boy. Yeah. So
0: So it's, it's the varieties are a big one too and I would encourage people. I mean, I think for me, that's a big thing about gardening is having that opportunity to grow those different varieties of certain vegetables that you know and love. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but it also complicates things, I think. You you know that I'm team that. Yeah. I mean, it should be very clear because there's some people that may be new. Welcome. And so, for those that are not new, you know my, like, I want to try it. I want to try it all. You know, the the curious gardener in me. Um, But then I I also recognize that sometimes I'm biting off more than I can chew. That's (laughs)
0: terrible. (laughs) That was terrible. And it is. It does make a complication. But sometimes a variety can fix a certain issue you have with growing a certain vegetable. If I could be any more vague, that would be great. But, you know, if you want to grow squash, right, but you don't have enough room, well, they now have squash that grow upright. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say this. I've seen them, and they don't really grow upright, but they have a more upright profile, saving more space. So, you know, then you have higher producers and lower producers and stuff like that. There's, you know, disease resistance and all kinds of stuff you can really get into the weeds with so it's something that you can definitely you know work to your advantage inside of a garden
1: so um i was just it's i have this th- this approach that says let me figure the thing out before i expand right so let me figure out if i'm growing cucumbers for the first time i'm going to pick a cucumber variety and grow it Mm -hmm. and like do i feel like i got my hands around it like do do i know how to grow a cucumber and once the answer is yes in my mind then it's okay yeah you can like instead of a you know slicer for cucumbers maybe i grow a pickling cucumber right like i try to have some level of discipline it doesn't always work but that's kind of like my general approach Mm -hmm. if i go back to like inserting new varieties like what makes me want to grow a different variety there are a handful of vegetables where it's looking at that curiosity like oh i wonder how that tastes right you know, very seldom is I wondered how that grows, right? Um, But I wonder how that taste moves me from variety one to two to three and so on. But then there's also, to your point about the zucchini, in more recent years, it's the this particular variety has been problematic for me, or this vegetable has been problematic for me. I've read or heard or seen that this other variety is less prone to insert the problem. Right. Right. You know, it may be more um, um, easier to grow in my area. You know, so it's almost like you move to a different variety based on some problem-solving,
0: you know, attempt. You know, it's funny. I was watching a video um, the other day, and guys growing Brussels sprouts. And... He said that over the years, he's tried to grow many varieties, and um, this year was a successful form. He said he had grown Catskill uh, Brussels sprouts in the past, Mm -hmm. and he was like, man, they're just pitiful. They just will not grow for me here. And it was interesting because it was like, that was a moment for me when I thought about it. And I was like, that's exactly when I would switch varieties. Mm-hmm. When either I see something or I read something or by accident, I don't know. And then like I, I try a different variety. I'm like, well, this one did way better. And so I'm constantly trying different things to get. It's like you're almost in search of like the perfect seed mm-hmm. for your garden. And it, it can be climate that can, you know cause these issues too you know there's supposedly bolt resistant lettuces and stuff like that that are meant to grow in warmer not hot but warmer temperatures that in certain areas you need that won't do good in other areas you know what I mean Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is why the dynamic of the show is so good because I grow in zone 8 A and Miss Batavia grows in 6 A I had to get it right
1: I appreciate you getting it right. But I think that sometimes we we are quickly dismissing a thing maybe even incorrectly.
0: What is that? You know,
1: like you said it, we don't it doesn't grow well in my area. Like does can one gardener really dictate that? I mean, can that be like, you know, kind of a a full on yes, this is the truth. This is it. Well, I know? think
0: after years of trial and error and, you know, communicating with other people in your area, mm-hmm. I think that it can in fact you can make that decision that like, you know what, this probably isn't the best variety for here, or I need to just branch out and find something different. So I think that does help with that. You know what I mean? And I mean, a lot of people start out too in this same discussion is like, I'll, I want to grow, you know, I I don't care what I grow. I just want to grow the food and they're getting like hybrid seeds. And then they learn about heirlooms and stuff like that. And they're like, well, I want to start growing heirlooms And at the same time, like you want to grow heirlooms a lot, but the question becomes what's the purpose? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what's the purpose in growing the heirloom? Is it because it's sexy sounding and it's old timey and it's preserving history? Is it because you want to save the seeds and have them true? Or is it because you read that it's better to grow them when in fact, like, there's nothing wrong with growing a hybrid seed? Yeah. You know the the only real downfall would be something like, you know, um, saving the seed. You're not going to get the true parent plant.
1: Yeah, there was a time when I um, shared on this podcast, is probably a, at least two years ago now, where I you know I wanted to transition to purchase more heirloom seeds for the goal of um, not for the nostalgia, but for the goal of you know seed saving and being more true to the actual plant mm-hmm. you know for the seeds i'm going to save and that didn't last long i mean the temptation for non-purchasing non-heirloom seeds you know the varieties uh it's just it's it's i can't uh i can't get past it um and interestingly enough i have kind of lucked into oh i didn't even realize these were heirlooms too well that's part of um, it
0: too is sometimes you don't even realize Yeah. Yeah. And
1: just for the record, I've had a lot of success saving non-heirloom seeds, saving hybrid seeds, and then them producing. Am I comparing, you know, year one to year two, the actual plant and or the the fruit it produces? No. You know, but for my purpose,
0: I'm
1: satisfied with it.
0: Exactly. Well, and you might be losing some of the qualities of the original plant, but it doesn't mean it's not going to produce anything. It's just not going to...
1: Or that's not going to taste good. Yeah. It
0: doesn't mean any of that. So... There's a whole nother episode in that in itself, um which I think is a valid discussion to have because f- for a long time hybrids have been kind of gassed upon, you know it's like I remember what is this there's this one fruit company out of Florida years ago, and I saw a post. And I know I've said this on the show before, but for the newer listeners, and they had all these crazy looking fruits and they were just like old heirloom fruits. And usually the heirlooms are the ones that look weird. They're different, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, you looked, through, they had hundreds and hundreds of comments and it was like GMO, GMO, GMO. And it wasn't GMO. It wasn't anything crazy. It was just an old heirloom variety that you would never get at a grocery store. You know, you probably wouldn't even get it at a farmer's market. You would just find it, you know, somebody had the seeds and they this is what this company did. So it's just kind of like this overall, you know, bad idea about what these seeds are and what these fruits are when you look at them. So, And then that's another way that you can evolve, though, is by, you know, testing out different things to grow as far as like heirlooms, hybrids, organic versus non-organic, you know. I mean, did you ever use like synthetic fertilizers or just not really care about going organic? Or have you always just kind of tried to be as much organic as possible?
1: No, I never had. um, In the early years, there was never this conscious bit of like growing organically. I, I intentionally didn't like go in and buy herbicides or pesticides or any type of fertilizer even. You know, so what I was adding to my garden was very minimal. Right. So kind of, again, by default, some of my practices (laughs) were organic because I just wasn't doing anything. Um, So that was conscious, but not to like, you know, kind of say I'm gardening organically. Um, And I think it's probably if no one had ever mentioned it to me, I probably wouldn't kind of use it as a label of sorts, Um, which, you know, I rarely do. You know this, Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with those that shout it from the mountaintops, you know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think that the more you learn, the more you adjust, right? And so the more you learn, the more you either, you know, welcome a thing that you're going to do, you know, like the more I learned about um, the value of Kind of living things, growing from living things, you know, um, that introduced me to compost. Actually, a, a girlfriend of mine introduced me to compost on the heels of me having a, a poor year with a new garden bed. And she asked, oh, what are you using for compost? And I'm like, nothing. What's compost? Yeah. yeah, yeah right. yeah, No, well, you know, I, already I kind of put it in a box and said, you know, my fear will never lead me to um she recommended a compost that I still use today. Um, the Moo Newer—they don't sponsor the show, but it's just fun saying. Yeah. It. Um, and so, so yeah, you know. But then it's the okay. I trust her. You know, this is my garden, but I trust her. And so I started looking a little bit more since again I don't have I don't have to create the compost. I can buy it. Starting to understand more the value of it, right? You know. And so that definitely was an evolution as far as me as a gardener, and became a common practice for me. You
0: know, you know, it's funny. I did. I went through the same thing where I didn't know what compost was, but I knew. Let me rephrase. I knew what it was. I didn't know the benefits of it, but I knew that it had to go into the garden to some extent, and I knew that I could make it. And so, at one point, I think I made compost for like four years and never used like a drop of it. Mm -hmm. I didn't even turn it. I just kind of just kept piling like cold compost, you know, just kept putting Mm -hmm. stuff on there. And um, I would still buy bags of compost and put it on because I didn't understand. But I knew that at that time it was something that was really important for whatever reason. And to be completely honest at this point, it's like I feel like there's a lot of pros and cons to using it. But the more you dive into this, the more you start looking into it, and you can start making these decisions for yourself. You know, as far as like, should I make my compost? Should I, you know, buy it? How much should I add? All that stuff. <clears throat> but it's just kind of that evolution process where it's like each year you, you I step more and more into it. And so I love making compost this year. I'm not adding any of my compost to my garden, or if I do, it's going to be very little. So, you know, there, there is that. Why is that? Um, I had, so if you want to really get into it real quick, I had a lot of, I got a soil test two years ago. And when I got the results back, the guy was like, you're extremely high in organic matter. And I was like, what does that mean? I was like, isn't that good? And he's like, well, he was like, it's good and it's not good. And so over the year last year, I noticed that my soil was drying out a lot and it would become crumbly. And that's a good tall tale sign that you're using too much compost. So I'm backed off and I topped off my bed with topsoil this year to try and rebalance that. So, you know, it's like I'll just I'm keep making it. And the next year I'll have a lot more. But I'm not actively using it. So I'm basically, for the most part, going to cold compost this year, um, Mm -hmm. which will take a lot of pressure off of me this summer because I hate turning compost pile in the summer. It's the worst.
1: (laughs) I'll have to go back and look at my uh, pictures and videos. I'm pretty sure I topped off my front yard beds and my, I'm going to say maybe all of my beds with compost last year.
0: You topped them all off with it?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Cause if I but the reason why I bring it up because if I didn't I definitely want to do it this year. But that should be you know it'd be interesting. I still I've mentioned this on a previous episode. I still on a few different episodes. So I still haven't done it. I'm really curious now since I kind of the the bright side in my mind of not you know managing the beds, not putting them to rest last year. You know I grew in them last year. Let's see where we're at for a starting point for the growing season. Going forward and getting a soil test, which would be a couple of different soil tests. I don't know if I've talked to you about this, um, which a soil test was something that 10 years ago I would have never even thought of.
0: Yeah, right. Not you even know? an option.
1: No, I mean, I mean, didn't even know that that was a thing, right? You know, and so um, kind of the front yard has a certain soil makeup, generally speaking. Um, and then the cage maybe has a certain soil makeup. And then kind of those raised beds on the patio, which probably I won't get tested. So I'll probably have like two different samples. And there's a price point per sample. That's the reason why I'm not sending in 16 samples. Right. <laughs> um, but um, but I'd be interested in knowing after a growing season, after the garden's been dormant for however many months, now what is this soil life like? Yeah. You know. Um,
0: well, we should.
1: I gotta giddy up too, man, because I'm like a few weeks off of being able to plant potentially.
0: Well, so like my state does soil tests for free, and I can give them as many samples as I want within a certain time period. So okay. if you break that time period, then it's like two dollars a sample. But um, if you don't have that, there is an affiliate link below for soil kit where they test you send off and test your soil and stuff like that. They give you a discount. So um, you know that's that's something that's new as well fairly new you know is like places like that like independent places coming up that are known about you know my grandfather back in the 80s he used to take his soil to the college and ask him to test it and they were like what and he's like well i want to know what's in my soil and they're like really nobody does this and so he would try to adjust i don't know if he knew what he was doing or what but that's something that he did back in the day so um but, yeah, a lot of states will offer something like that. But, see, that's another—that's a perfect example where, you know, when I started, I didn't care what was going on in my soil. I was like, look, I got dirt, and I'm fixing to plant in this dirt, and it's going to grow. And if it's not going to grow, and I started learning about fertilizer, then I'm just going to fertilize the crap out of it, and I'm going to keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah, so
1: Maybe I'm trying to figure out, like, and I could be making this all up. But I kind of felt like I knew coming in that first year, like I'd seen bad soil, like you know, kind of like if you look at um, when when sod is being put down or something, compared to like what I would now describe as richness of the soil in that thirty by forty four foot spot. So I don't know if this is just my memory, you know, not being accurate, or if I kind of knew like, okay, this looks good to plant in, or maybe my grandparents as they came over, they you know said, okay, this is good soil. Yeah soil to plant in if i i just can't believe i woke up one morning and said oh yeah this looks good there may have been like leaning back to um at home my grandmother would do like potted plants like you know
0: um, outside every
1: year so maybe there's a little bit of that that spilled over with like i know what she's planting in you know
0: well i remember Uh, when i started i was listening to this podcast years ago podcasts weren't even really a thing yet and um, I don't know what the name of it was it was a survivalist guy you know he was preparing for the end of the world and he would get on there and rant but he did a lot of gardening as most people that do that kind of stuff do and um, I remember him saying you know I'm not making a raised bed and I was just getting into like my own gardens and stuff like that my grandfather always grew in ground that's what I grew up around Raised beds were like the rage. They still are. And I remember him saying, like, why are you doing a, a raised bed? And he was like, I bet you think your your soil is trash where you are. And I I thought to myself, and I was like, yeah. I mean, it's topsoil, right? And he was like, then how do the trees grow? How does the grass grow? <laughs> why do you have the weeds that are taking over everything? Like, why does everything grow so well? Why do you need to put in that effort to do a raised bed just on the argument of like hey I've got bad soil and so like I thought about it for a while and you know clearly I was like whatever screw this guy I'm still going to do a raised bed Um, but as years and years have passed I almost agree with the gentleman about that is like why are we doing raised beds all the time like how do we know that our soil's bad if we're just if we're not testing it and we don't know you know, who cares what it looks like? Like, you can have the prettiest looking soil in the world and it just be contaminated with uranium. You know what I mean? Straight toxic. So it's it's one of those things like and this is where the argument comes in that, like, sometimes an evolving garden can be a headache because then you start making it way more complicated than it has to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think definitely. Um, so I've told you this before, that first garden space I can remember like maybe having a bag of something like a bag of soil I picked up from, you know, the store and planting, putting fresh soil after working up the soil that was already there, the dirt that was already there, putting in some fresh dirt from the bag in like each planting hole. Like I can remember doing that in you know, those first couple of years. Um, But whether or not in 08, if I even like understood the concept of raised beds and, you know, the, the potential pros around it, I don't know. But I grew in that soil and it's still the same soil that's inside of the cage, baby. plus everything I've added over the years. Um, But I look back and say, time, material, expenses, you know, alone makes you think, are we really overcomplicating, you know, the garden? Now, we always say this, you know, you can... I used to follow a um a YouTuber that was in Chicago, and he kind of showed the progression of working on his soil and improving it in like one particular bed, so we know that over time you can get to a place where your soil is either as good or better than whatever that soil dump you're gonna pay for is. you know like we know that that's possible, but um, I think it's a matter of how long do you wanna wait, yeah, you know um. And when I look and say, you know, I still go back to the front yard garden and the backyard, it kind of it is what it is. Like I couldn't garden on the patio without raised beds. The caged baby, I just love. Right. For all the woes from 2022. (laughs) I still love it. You know, But then the front yard, again, I think it looks great. You know, I designed it. I think it looks great. But I could still go back to. Gosh, this thing, I could start with a clean slate quite literally if I just had the soil there every year and plant out in different rows, mark off different rows. Yeah. And there absolutely would be an expense savings there. I'm not sure how I would have managed, um, like the soil that after I dug up my saw, what that looks like. You know, like, like maybe I wouldn't have had the bounty, if you will, you know, in 2019, the first year of the front yard garden, maybe I would just be getting there. Um, so I said all of that. I don't have any regrets, but it does kind of go back to um, I I got, you know, hooked to a particular method, meaning raised beds. And it only made sense for me to use that when I expanded. Right. Right. That's again, that's how my mind was wired when it came to that. Um but if I had expanded to the front yard garden, let's say in 2009 or 2010, maybe it just would be in ground.
0: Yeah, I know when I started my wild garden, um, I know everybody's like, oh, here we go hearing about the wild garden. But
1: my favorite,
0: this is actually particularly in this like it was in ground. And I remember the first year I had a 50 pound watermelon come out of that mm-hmm. garden. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I had tomatoes that were just growing to beat the band but I also had weeds that were growing to beat the band as well and I did nothing to that soil at all but just I tilled it and I planted it and I mean clearly I, I tilled up every weed seed that's been on this planet at the same time and brought them to the surface And then nourish them to health. And, you know, it was amazing. But, you know, that 50-pound watermelon rings very true into my mind. Because guess how many times I've gotten a 50-pound watermelon with the same seeds since then? It hadn't happened. So, you know, I find it very funny that it was like, you know, an in-ground bed with no amending at all. In which I got this huge watermelon out of it. So, um, there's an the argument is there that once you start evolving and you start using new products and testing new things, that possibly you could be overcomplicating it to an to an extent.
1: And would you... I think I'd say in some instances um, uh, to to your detriment. Yeah. Complicating it to your detriment.
0: Yeah. So if I had... To the to,
1: detriment of your garden.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, like if I had to go back... Knowing what I know now, when I started the wild garden four years ago, and it's tough. I don't know if I would have put raised beds in. I think I would have just kept working that soil for years and years until I got it the way I wanted it. But I didn't do that. And so now I have this situation on my hands, which I mean, so far it's doing great. There's no issues at all, but... You know, it just—I don't know if I would change anything from the original year because I have to keep thinking about that. I mean, when you get a fifty-pound watermelon, you know you've done something. Yeah, you know what I mean. This is what
1: I—I I know. You know, when I talk about like, oh, it would be what, what an experience um, if I had again raised beds in the backyard and then just in the ground in the front yard. Like, it's—I mean, the entire front yard is mine to grow in. But I know that year one, I would have struggled. Maybe I would have held the line on year two but if i would have continued to struggle i would have said nope i'm gonna go back to what i know which yeah. at that time would have been growing in raised beds getting some soil you know um delivered or or purchased or whatever have you you know maybe it wouldn't be kind of the metal raised beds or whatever you know it maybe it'd be a little bit different but i don't know if i would have had the st- stick to <laughs> like um you know if those early years of doing now what's a kind of um not even new to me like reverting back to a method that I did originally because I felt like I had success in those first years 08 09, and so on with just in ground then I had success with raised beds and that became the way and then if I would have went to the front yard and said okay well, no we're just going to go with in ground um, again primarily only because of the soil I saw the soil when I dug up the grass Like, I know the level of how much it was compacted. You know, I always had crap grass, so it wasn't like my grass was lush. I wasn't doing anything with it, of course. Um, And so I can imagine the struggle I would have had with growing food that first year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, look, if you go and you dig up your soil and you got nothing but rocks. Yeah. You need to do something about that. You know, Mm. if you've got nothing but clay, like something needs to be done about it. You know, we have a lot of sand here. So we have to do something about that. But that doesn't mean, I mean, dude, there's farms all around me. And, you know, they don't have raised beds in their farms. You know, they've got many, many fields of stuff growing. So it's possible. Um, It's just, it depends. And then I think one of the other things, too, is once you start getting into it more and more, like each year you progress more and more, I think our patience wanes a little bit. And I think we just want to have like, we, we want to make sure that like, hey, this is going to be a good year. Mm-hmm. You know, I only get this certain time to grow and I've g- grown to really love this, so I'm going to love it to death. And then we just try <laughs> to constantly like, I mean, basically you're just, you're you're working it to death. You don't just let nature do what it's supposed to do because yeah. we're learning about different techniques all the time. You know, you can learn about gardening a million ways. Now it used to only be you go to the library or you ask an old timer that was the only way to learn about gardening now it's like you can get information anywhere and some of it's good some of it's bad some of it's correct some of it's not and some of it is pertinent to you and some of it has nothing to do with
1: you-hmm it's um it's interesting because we continue to introduce things to our garden to our garden experience and I don't know. I won't say more more often than not, but sometimes it's it's felt uh it's met with um what we may deem a, a failure, right? And it's kind of funny it doesn't stop us from saying we're going to try something new yeah. like, generally. You know. Um there's still that for most of us I would say there's still the desire to say, "Okay, I'm going to either keep on trying at this thing." Cuz you know, you know how I can get about some things like, "I'm not going to let it beat me." Yeah. You know, and then in other cases it's like Either I'm going to continue to try that thing and I'm going to try something else new. You know, um, The desire to expand. And I don't think that you set out to say I'm going to evolve. That's not the way that you look at it. No. Those aren't the words you use. But that's what you are doing. Um, the one piece that I think about sometimes, especially when we're coming out of the last of winter now, is... Every now and again, you'll see a comment from someone that says, I grew it used to grow in this part of the country. Now I'm growing in this part of the country and it's totally different. Yeah. You know? And I think about everything I know about gardening is gardening in Chicago, you know, and how different my experience would be in some other area. And I, I know and believe that a lot of the skills that I've gained over the years are going to be transferable. But I mean, weather is weather, boy.
0: <laughs> well, and I mean, timing is everything. Like here, timing is everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a lot of leeway where you are. So you know, if if my cabbages aren't in at a certain time, like I ain't, I don't have a chance in getting cabbage. So that's kind of the big issue there, you know. But for you, I mean, when when did you plant your cabbages?
1: I haven't planted yet this year, but last year I planted. Oh, uh, last week of April.
0: Yeah. See, we've already got ours in. We planted ours in the first week of February. so. But if you missed that, that's all she wrote. I mean, it's 85 degrees today. Yeah. And it's it's still February, you know. But it'll be 60, 60 or 50 degrees in a couple days. So, you know, you have to be prepared for that kind of stuff. But is there a variety that you've tried that just totally backfired on you that you're just like, I wish I would have never tried this variety? Like you were trying to solve a problem or something like that, and by doing that,
1: no, that's a complicated question. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Like my attempt to resolve move me to a different, you know, to do something different, and in turn it backfired. So there's a second year of failure. No, I mean that couldn't exist in my world.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'd be great to be in Batavia's world. Yeah, for <laughs> me it was the year I planted national pickling cucumbers. That really backfired on me, and it's funny. Ever since then, I haven't had a good year of cucumbers since. Ah, uh, yeah. So, um, hopefully, we can fix that this year. But you know, that was one of the issues I had. Is I was like, well, I want a little bit bigger cucumber, so I'm not going to grow my usual Boston pickling cucumbers. Um, so I planted the National Pickling Cucumber, and I did not know that they were like super susceptible to the uh, cucumber beetle. And they were just riddled, you know, and it's just I had nothing but problems the whole year with it. If I would have known any better, I wouldn't have. So, like, I at some point, it's like, well, should you mess with success, you know? And you, I think as a gardener, we have to, when we make the decisions to get the seeds and start the gardens and stuff like that, we need to take a step back and just look yeah. at it and say, like, hey, should I mess with this? Should I change this? Or should I, like, what's the real reason why I'm planting something different. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And that also um, leads to like how much again, going back to how much change you introduce in a particular garden season. Um, Because sometimes it's hard to keep track of what really was
0: the cause of a particular issue. Yeah. You know, it could be a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It could be a lot of things, but I think over time you start, you know, it's like last year I recognized that I had an irrigation issue so, then this year I've made that change. So, then I can kind of eliminate that once I figure out how that runs. So, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do that. So, so, the question is, should we evolve our gardens? What's your final answer?
1: Absolutely. I think so, too. Every, every year and, and twice in some
0: years. <laughs> Carefully, though, and slowly.
1: Yeah.
0: So, you heard it here, people. We're going to evolve our gardens. We're going to continue to do so. But in the meantime, you can support us on Patreon. You can come join us on Facebook. Or you can check out any of the affiliate links below to help get yourself a discount and help support the show at no extra cost to you. And until next time, continue to learn to grow and grow for change. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast.
1: If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up.
0: You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your
1: support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya!